Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where we get into people's heads and find out how their choices in life has affected them. My name is Leslie Fear. I'm your host. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Kate Ray. She is a paranormal investigator. She's a teacher. She's an artist. She's a practitioner in witchcraft and spiritual pathways. But today she's going to share with us her expertise with the Fae. Welcome to the show, Kate. Hi, Leslie. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for letting me come on and uh, have a chat with you. Well, I think I could listen to your voice all day long. You're in the UK. I am. (laughs) I don't think I ever asked you exactly where you are there. I'm I'm kind of smack bang in the middle of the country, but my accent's uh, further up the country, up north. I, I grew up in Sherwood Forest, so there's the whole kind of Robin Hood mythology where oh, where nice. I grew up. So I've got a slightly more northern accent than than the people around me right now. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, you sound a little different than my girlfriend who Helen, who's in the UK, but she's south of London, so she's way further south than you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So today. And I just admitted to Kate before we started recording, I was like, I have no idea what this face stuff is. This is kind of new to me. Um, But I heard you on another podcast and you were fantastic. And I thought, I have to have you on. I mean, I just have to. She's fantastic. And she knows her stuff about this. So before we start talking about fairies and gnomes and pixies and all those things and gin, or I don't even know if those are part of it. Can you tell me what exactly the Fae is and how you kind of got into it? Okay, so the Fae realm is, is a massive, massive realm. It's uh, it's huge. We're talking as big as uh, the animal realm within within our world. And they are, for me, inter- interdimensional beings. You know, they, they live vibrationally within their world they can traverse into the physical world into into this world it is massive and there there are so many different varieties that I don't even think that we can start naming uh, individuals without something else popping up and being sort of cousins of or um, on the family tree of I think it's probably an easier question for me to answer where did I begin Right, um, right. I was telling you before, I, I grew up in Sherwood Forest on the outskirts of Sherwood Forest, which has got the, the whole Robin Hood connection, so steeped with mythology within the UK. And that woodland has so many different vibrational areas in it. Um, I did a little project many, many years ago where I went, I, I was a big dog walker and I would come across the same people, but I, I was asking different dog walkers if they had different feelings and emotions when they were walking around the woods and the vast majority of them picked out two spots particularly that were opposite ends of the woods where one they felt like they were being watched and very nervous and another one they felt a great uh, sense of joy and peace oh wow so okay. i i kind of always grew up with knowing that there was something else um, I don't think when I was younger I put a, a spin of fairy onto it because to me growing up fairy was it, it was a bit too girly girly I was never a girly girl growing up <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I knew that there was something else that you know that there were nature spirits there were things uh, within the natural environment that weren't physical beings and it wasn't till I I grew older and and started coming across other people with the same kind of theories as me on what fairies are um, that they aren't these sort of beautiful necessarily these beautiful fluttery creatures but you know something that could be quite a lot darker and a a lot more malevolent and mischievous so uh, skip forward I probably 
I don't know, in my late teens, I got into the fairy scene so that it's very big over here. Uh, lots of different festivals going off uh, where people gather together, that kind of thing. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and it's a lovely community. It's, it's a really beautiful community and, and lots of sharing of, of folklore and mythology. Oh, nice. And I fell into being a paranormal investigator and had, you know, still had the connection with the Fae thing, but not quite as strong. And when I was going out in investigations, I was using sort of psychic skills to pick up on any kind of energies or entities that may be in buildings that we're investigating. And and I was picking up on, you know, the spirits of the deceased, but the, the majority of things that were coming through to me had never been human. Mm-hmm. And they were desperate to sort of communicate why they were there and, and what was going off and, and to reveal themselves on a psychic level to me. I have had some physical encounters over probably more than any over the last 10 years I've had um, I've had encounters. But yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell how this all came about for me that, you know, the paranormal world and the fairy world sort of mingling and mixing. Right. Now, you've always had kind of a feeling, though, uh, even before you knew you were interested in specific fae at all. You know, you said you were in Sherwood Forest and you felt something in those trees and, you know, something was alive. Was that when you started kind of feeling them? I can't ever remember and pinpoint a time when I didn't understand on some basic level that Mm -hmm. we weren't the only, you know, the only spirits that inhabited the world you know just because we're in a physical form I I never knew any different and I've got no idea where it came from uh, my parents they weren't particularly into that my mum was quite open but it you know it was never massively discussed but it was just I always had a sense of other realms existing and um, other beings existing maybe even outside our own periphery so I can't say that I ever had a lot of people will say it was an encounter that they had at a certain point that, that turned them or, you know, it was something they read or somebody they met that kind of triggered it. I can't remember being any other way, which is right. it's yeah. quite nice for me because I, I consider myself normal, but to a lot of people, <laughs> it, it's kind of not normal. <laughs> But you know, what's nice is when you do go on these paranormal investigations, everybody's looking for ghosts, or they're looking for, you know, demons or bad things and and whatever it is, you know, and I think demons are mostly not even around as much. But you've got this other element that no one really thinks or talks about really that much. So like I said, that's why I wanted you on my show. So can you kind of just give me a wrap up for someone who is ignorant like me and has no idea, maybe just some of the names and kind of what they do and kind of what they are? Yeah, I mean, for for me and from uh, research that I've done, you've got you've got this kind of spectrum. So you've got what I would consider the non-religious sort of contextual of an angelic realm which is the very high vibrational frequencies the light beings and then you've got this lower sort of base earthier which again in a religious context people would uh, associate with demonic or demonic behavior and you've got this whole spectrum in between and you know uh, to be quite honest the ones that I do deal with tend to be the mischievous right the way down to the sort of the darker more malevolent which you know go from anything from pixies which are very playful but can sort of take it over 
that naughty mark into something that might be considered malevolent you've got things like house brownies who you know people can quite easily like get on the wrong side of those you've got goblins you've got imps and and each country is very very different I'm, I'm just starting actually to get my head around some of the energies that you have over in the states because I find your history within fairy folklore is really interesting because it seems to integrate lots of different ideas of different spirits and deities and not be a separate thing you know your spirits your deities and your fairies are all kind of intermingled which uh, I find really nice it's a really nice uh, perspective because for me that's what's happening it's um fairy is a for me a word that's given to lesser deities it's given to old gods it's given to um things that we don't understand as humans you know it's it's a really broad spectrum to me right and it's funny you say that we have kind of a different species or maybe a different feel for the fairy realm or the whatever you want, the fae realm here. You know, people always say, United States is so young. Yes, the United States, the actual organization of our country is very young, but the land is very old. They're fighting dinosaurs on our land. So it's not like the land hasn't been here. That It's not like it's the land just popped up 250 years ago. So, <laughs> and the vibration's different here because I think just because we haven't been here as long as Europe and, you know, all of you on that other side of our pond have been there, it's a different vibration, I would assume. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think one of the the great things about America in, in the fact that it is a young country in terms of white European settlers is that you did have, you know, native people and but they were so spread out over the country that it was kind of they were part of very much part of the land. And it's something in Britain where we are able to hold on to our, our fairy philosophies and uh, culture and folklore is because we kind of, it was a, a seamless graduation from, you know, pagan cultures into into modern day. So we've passed on those stories and those tales. Where in America, you know, it just seems to be perhaps over the last 50, 60 years where people are, are gathering interest in native uh, folk tales and, and what that means in terms of maybe paranormal that goes off in the country or, you know, like skinwalkers is something that you would never have heard about right. uh, tw- 20 years ago. But now you see it on paranormal shows where they talk about, you know, things that are very much related to native folk tale. really. it's um, I think it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating historically. Yeah. And from what I heard on the actual podcast that you were on about fairies and that they can shape shift. And that's pretty much like a skinwalker, I think. Right. Isn't that the same kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, No, for me, that's where things are. It's the lines are blurred because not necessarily would you think of skinwalkers in the same vein as as the fae. But actually, the traits are very, very similar uh, that they can disguise themselves they can change their shape and their appearance. They can be benevolent or malevolent. You know, it's it's all those attributes that are very much fairy. Right. Do you think that people like, like, let's say you go into a haunted house and you're doing an investigation and a lot of people are probably looking for, you know, what was on the land before, who lived in the house before, who died, who had trauma, whatever it is. When you go in, are you finding that it's sometimes more fae related to the haunting or the 
problem there, and we can go into that in a minute, than it is maybe someone who passed away, who can't find their way wherever. What are your thoughts on that? So I have got a developing theory. I don't know whether you know, I write for a UK magazine, and I quite recently wrote an article about this, about a sort of a growing theory. And it's not my own, but it, it does make sense in the fact that when you have a building or a piece of land that has a, a negative energy, whether fey or the spirit of, of somebody who's deceased or some kind of trauma that's gone on, off in that land. It becomes very attractive to the vibrational energies of other beings. So if you've got um, a site where there has been a murder and that brings almost a, a dark contained energy within a house, you know, any passing sort of malevolent energy will be very much attracted to that. So mm-hmm. going into haunted properties, I go in first and foremost to try and contact the strongest energies within that property, try and get to the, the kind of the crux of the matter of what's going off in that property. For me, I do have interactions with Faye more than I do uh, those who've passed over. But I think that there's just something, I don't know what it is about me, that they see that I am able to have some kind of interaction with them. Um, And I do that more easily than I do with the spirits of the dead. I have to work really, really hard to, to sort of gain focus with them. But the houses that I have been in, that have been quite severe problems have had a real mix of energies of those who have passed over and almost infestations of these other beings, you know, what I term in, in as, as the darker side of the fae. Mm. And it sounds like the darker the haunting is, the darker the situation is, the, it's like a vacuum for all of those things. Yeah, definitely. It does. It, it becomes like almost like this uh, this gateway portal. And it's like a beacon of, hey, you know, let's have, you know, want to come and have some fun here. If you're on the dark side, come on over. Oh, yeah. um, and, it, and it does, it kind of, it saps all kinds of, of different energies into that. Wow. Yeah. See, that's, that's what's crazy. Now, before we started recording, I was going to ask you about our property. That's about an hour and 15 minutes away. So it's not a long drive, but there's like 35 acres out there. We've had it since like 2006, my husband and I, and back in 2009, we had a really devastating fire and it took everything but our barn. We had a little double wide out there, but a manufactured house, but now we've built a brick house out there, but we have been very careful. We, well, we love the land. And we've been very careful to try to take care of it. We unfortunately lost a lot of trees because it was very treed. A lot have come back. And the majestic ones out front, because we kept it mowed, those all, thank goodness, survived. But, you know, we, it looked like a bomb went off. It was horrible. But we've done everything we can. We've made a stock pond, put fish in it, everything we can. And we've had great success and it feels very peaceful. But I was just going to see what you thought about what your feeling was, because I know sometimes you can kind of hone in on that and go, hmm, okay, this is good or whatever. And I thought I'd ask your opinion. Yeah, I mean, you did ask me just before and that the first thing that sprang to mind was uh, was a large space, that arid land. Um, I, I do see... Um, I do see a porch of some kind, and I don't know whether on the edge of your property you have some, are there some natural wooded areas yes. sort of right, yes. right right at the edge of the property? Yeah, I, I think I think that would be a really interesting place to go in and see what you pick up on in, in that area, because um, the energies that you have around the property don't necessarily come on the property, but they kind of skirt the property. Okay. Um, uh, so, it, I mean, it would be interesting to go out and it's, is it really far back at the far end of the property that those 
that there's some wooded area. Well, actually, and I should have prefaced this, when the fire devastated the land, yes, it took down a lot of the dense trees, but it's been years. And they've all pretty much come back. It's still very dense. in like the very front of our property, there's like a big pasture, then there's our driveway, then the house, then the pond. And then the further back you get, it's very treed again. And on the sides, it's very treed. And we keep paths in it. And we just, you know, small paths, like to where we can put a tractor in it and keep it mowed and keep it pretty so that deer can go in, you know, just so that it's still something we can walk and appreciate the land. So that's kind of what we do. Yeah, I think I think if you went and actually, when you're going through that piece, when you're going through that back wooded area, mm-hmm. just speak out, just sort of have a chat to to whatever may be there. I think you might be surprised at some stuff that may happen with that. I, really? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. I do. I think that there is something that's quite happy to skirt around the property, but not actually come onto what it sees as, as your turf your land and from what you've said in other podcast interviews you've said don't invite too much of that stuff so I was like do I even talk to these things you know I don't... um I, I think if it's like with anything you give your boundaries I mean if you're a paranormal investigator and you go into a property and you're calling out and you're saying can you make something happen or and then something happens and you start shouting your head off of don't do that or whatever you've not set a boundary so go into those woods and say totally respect that you're respecting my space I respect yours but I just wanted to come in and have a chat um see where we're at see what's going off i think with all these things respect is the key you know talk to talk to these energies in a way that you'd want to be talked to you know um you can build up a relationship that's very different when you're having a conversation with these energies to inviting them in i know a lot of people it's very very popular for people to have fairy altars in their house and doing spells to invite them and it's like oh my god no please (laughs) you know no I want to do that (laughs) no I I so wouldn't do that I really I don't want I don't want like fairies running around the house you know it's it's not good but that and that's the thing I just wanted to you know and my husband he won't be able to go with me because if I do that with him he'd be like really honey seriously (laughs) and I'd be like well yeah I mean Kate told me to do this what is your problem No, but you know, when we walk, it's just, it's, I have to say, and I have a friend who's actually a psychic and, and she said it, she's been out there. We've had a girl's weekend out there. I wish you lived closer. You could come with us, but we have a girl's weekend out there and we fish and we take the ATV out. We just have a great time. And she said, your land is very peaceful. She did feel a little bit of the native American influence on parts of our property. There was a battle like on another side of it, but it wasn't, it kind of just touched our property. It was really on the other side of us, not really on our side. So I just felt so bad about the fire and I was just hoping they were, it's more like, are they okay? Do they survive that kind of stuff? Do they come back? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I don't pick up anything negative from that. I think it was just one of those things and they do accept that those kind of things do happen. It's when I think it's more that they get annoyed more when uh, somebody says, oh, I'm chopping that tree down because aesthetically I don't like it there anymore. And then there is nothing to fill that kind of gap in that space, you know. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't worry about that. They're quite used to sort of, you know, who's to say that they didn't have a hand in that happening for some 
reason you know maybe the the soil needed replenishing and, and fire is a great way of doing that who who knows you know but I don't I don't pick up there was any kind of repercussion right. from them okay. yeah. and it's funny you say that because um well and it was just one of those really really dry days we're talking I think it went down to like four percent humidity and the winds were very high and that can snap power lines which can start a fire even trains can start a fire with their wheels when they come to a halt. So it's, yeah, it's craziness. So that's something we don't have any control over. And that's what was horrible. But there are some trees that have naturally fallen because they were burned. And it's so dense in some areas, you can't get to them. So you can't take them down yourself because they're dead, you know, and they just have to fall themselves. But there's a couple that I'm like, but they're so pretty. I know they're dead, but they look like little totem poles. They're really pretty. And I told my husband, I said, let's leave this one here. And he's like, okay, so that's it's funny you say that because I don't want to even get rid of some of the dead ones, you know, because they're to me, they're beautiful. Yeah, definitely. They make great houses for, for all kinds of different animals, even oh, dead yeah. trees, you know, are brilliant okay. for that. So I think the key is, and I always say this to people, it's it's that real deep appreciation of nature that kind of puts you in tune with them and puts you on a good footing uh, with the fae. You know, if you, if you have that natural instinct to, to be appreciative of the beauty of all kinds of uh, sectors of nature, then then I don't think there will ever be a repercussion for, for whatever you choose to do. It's um, it's when people don't take that time and um, it's almost a, when people act flippantly um, and don't consider things. I think that that's, that's where the key problems maybe lay. Right. And I, I think you're right. It is. It truly is. It just comes back to intention. It's all about how you feel and, and your intention and, and the good and the bad, because maybe I can strike a deal with them because sometimes we get the wild boar out there and they will tear up your property because they dig in your actual land to find worms and all that. And uh, maybe I can strike up a deal and say, hey, listen, we'll always take care of the land if you take care of those hogs and make them make them not come to our land. I don't know how you do that. Steer them away. Scare them. Yeah, definitely. I would would definitely go out and talk to them and ask them that. I think they'd have they'd have uh, quite a lot of fun rounding up, rounding up some hogs. I think it would definitely be up their street. Yeah, I know that just sounds crazy. But in Texas, I mean, it's just they will devastate land because they'll eat. You know, we try to keep like a little you have to have some grass around the house or or just be this big dirt farm, you know, so but they've gotten to where they haven't gotten real close to the house. So they gotten up to where we have some grass and they tore it up. So I'm like, okay, okay, fairies. Okay, whoever else it is. Is it an elemental there? What are the land fae? What, What are those called? So, I mean, this was one of the questions that I was asked uh, a long, long time ago that I didn't know the answer to, which was, what's the difference between elementals and fae? And to be quite honest, they're interchangeable. Elementals just mean the fae that are attached to the elements, so earth, fire, air and water. But actually, there is a distinct difference if you kind of delve into it in the fact that some people believe that elementals are actually conjured by humans. So it's attached to the whole um, philosophies of alchemy and the alchemists would call upon these beings to to do their work and to help them with their work. And they would choose specific elements for whatever work they were doing. So they would almost create through uh, through their magic, they would create these beings. Mm. But I mean, it, I, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Elementals, you know, elementals, fae, it's, it's interchangeable terminology, really. It's funny, you had just mirrored what my psychic friend just said about elemental. She said, and she kind of feels like it's that alchemy. They were through magic, what, in the 1600s? She even mentioned the guy that did it. And she kind of thought they were more made up. But Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It was, it was Paracelsus who, who yes. is the first cited um, alchemist to talk about the elementals, although I'm sure they were probably used. I mean, alchemy was incredibly secretive, uh, secretive thing. Even now, alchemy is an incredibly uh, secretive form of magic. But it, yeah, it was Paracelsus who uh, commented, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. My pronunciations of things are terrible, so I do apologise to no, anybody no, who knows ph- alchemic yeah. philosophy. Um, but yeah, he... When I've done some digging, it, it was uh, it was basically down to him. And I've just recently come across uh, theories about egregores, which on another podcast, uh, a lady sort of gave me this route to look down. And they are beings that, uh, for instance, a very close-knit family will have its own egregore, which is a vibrational being that's there to either protect or uh, to contain the family. But although they're not sentient to begin with, so they don't have their own consciousness, they will then gradually gain their own consciousness and choose whether they want to stay with the family or not and that that brings up all kinds of uh you know interesting ideas to me is do they then fit within the fey realm or you know where do they fit because like the elementals it's something that we have created with our own magic and intention it's it's uh it's all interesting stuff and it's almost like a poltergeist or even a tulpa were, yeah, it's, it's, right. yeah, definitely. I think with egregores, though, it's um, with a poltergeist. I'm very much of the philosophy that that is a projection of energy. Right. There are theories that a, a poltergeist can, at some stage, gain its own identity and its own consciousness, but I think that that's very rare. I think it's that projection of psychic energy that's coming off one or more people, where an egregore is something. I mean, it's more attached to magical circles where uh, people who are practicing within a coven will create one of these things to okay, to protect yeah. protect the coven. But there are theories that any tight-knit groups of people do conjure these things, whether they know it or not, so that they are almost watchers. They are, you know, they are overseers. It's almost like just an energy field in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that then can take on its own, its own being in its own physical form. Wow, that is just that. And it's so crazy. And, you know, we can't see any of this. And it's hard for people like me because I don't have the gifts you have. And I'm sure most of my listeners don't either. But it's so interesting to me because I do believe there are things in this world we can't explain. And it's not always ghosts. It's not always demons. It could be, you know, fairies. And we all think about Disney and, you know, the pixie fairies and all that. And, you know, sometimes old folklore there's some truth to it yeah definitely i mean it's only up to within europe it's only up to sort of just pre-victorian that uh, that fairies were something that were absolutely feared you know i i know that you've had a look at my youtube channel Right. And I spoke to uh, an Irish guy, uh, Thomas Sheridan, who I respect uh, a lot. He's an author. And he was saying on that he he genuinely terrified of any kind of fairy. Wow, really? Uh, I mean, genuinely terrified. And it's a very much an Irish thing. You know, it's, it's not just a respect thing. People are fearful of, of the comeback from the fae. And they don't buy into any any of the kind of the light being side of it. They just, you know these are not to be messed with really? you know these are these are things not to be messed with so yeah it's um it, it is an interesting one definitely do you think it's that changeling kind of thing where it's that old irish folklore thing about the babies and am i right on that yeah i think that that's part of it um 
there are very few folk stories prior to sort of Victorian era that have particularly great content in in terms of you know it's it's not a fairy granting you a wish it's it's usually a tale of don't cross them um even if it's on a very a very simplistic level of of having a house brownie so a house brownie will kind of you know help around the house but there are things that that humans do that they don't like and they can turn incredibly nasty if if they believe that you aren't tending your house in in the right kind of way right up to you know uh banshees which are part of the fairy world sort of you know leading you to your death um so there's everything in between and and come the victorian era when within europe anyway we we moved into this more industrialized environment and we moved away from the country and the land and we sort of almost disconnected from the land and from folktale and it left this void of what fairies were and then all of a sudden we have these very sexualized beings sort of popping up we have the absinthe fairy who is this beautiful demure hourglassed fairy you know that comes on the side of a bottle of absinthe so you drink this drink this absinthe which you know and and you may see this beautiful sexualized fairy and then Fast forward, you know, we we have Disney taking that to an audience of children um, and books followed suit. So we have, you know, Peter Pan um, and and the rollout from there on in. So we have this real disconnection to the real world of the Fae is about, which, you know, isn't these beings that are going to grant us wishes. They're not there for our beck and call. They're not there. Um, They can be seemingly very, very beautiful, but it's not particularly as a kind of way of communicating what they're like as a characteristic, they often will show themselves as beautiful because they're trying to entice humans, you know. So it's a really interesting uh, history and, and kind of almost you can follow folklore right the way through up to today and it gives you a snapshot, an, an anthropological snapshot of, of human life really and how we've dealt with them and how we see them and perceive them. Well, you know, now you can go to Big Lots, that's a store here, and go buy a garden gnome. Yes. (laughs) I mean, those are all over the place around here. People are like, oh, let's go get, and they've got like several. And, but to me, that's the same thing, right? Yeah, I mean, gnomes are an interesting one. So gnomes are sort of... um started off in Germany I think if I if I remember yeah, rightly the whole right. the concept of gnomes I mean gnomes dwarves etc are the, the fairies of the earth so they're the ones that would dwell in the earth and in caves etc so that's that family but having gnomes in your garden is quite an interesting part of history they're there to ward off evil so people will buy these statues almost like gargoyles on a church right. and it was it was there to ward off any bad any bad energies or any bad spirits that would come into your garden so they're like little guardians you know right. I, I i'm quite partial to a to a gnome or two i don't i don't mind a gnome or two but it's the same kind of thought, you know, of, hey, I want something to protect me, even if it's just this tiny little statue or it's this little grotesque on the side of a building or whatever it is. This is going to ward off evil spirits or maybe even rabbits that are trying to eat my flowers, whatever, or deer. I'm kidding. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but one thing that you did talk about on Karen's podcast, you talked about sometimes, I guess it's elementals, they can shapeshift into different beings and you can maybe see them like I'm thinking maybe even like a rabbit or something if I were to see some kind of funky looking rabbit out of my property I mean maybe it's just a rabbit or maybe it's something else I don't know 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, all, all interdimensional beings, when you when you read about ufology, when you read about uh, cryptozoology, when you read about the Fae, this is a common thread that runs through them all, that we almost at times perceive them in a way that will give us an indication of why they're there. So they will often present to us in a way that they want us to understand their intention of being there. So uh, there's two elements to it, really. So there's those that shapeshift into animals to go unseen. So it could be, you know, that they are just pottering around, they hear somebody come in and they'll shapeshift into a bird or an animal just to, you know, just to disguise themselves while they're in this realm. Okay. The other side of it is, and it, it did come up uh, last year, really, quite uh, obviously, was uh, a paranormal investigation that went off and I was asked to do a remote viewing on a house and this being was was showing me two sides of itself. So it showed me this kind of dumpy little hook nose, you know, not particularly ugly looking humanoid thing that was probably about two foot. And then it would flip and it was like gnarly jutting wood and it looked angry. So this was the two sides of it. It was saying, I'm not like this, but actually I'm angered and this is how I'm telling you that I'm angry it's because I can't talk to you in your language so I'm showing you by shifting my shape into something that you will be able to understand emotionally Um, so there's that element sometimes as well if they don't think that somebody can cope with their natural image they will shapeshift to be able to be more pleasant and more palatable they can also shapeshift like I've said to entice humans so it's, it's part of uh, very much part of European folklore that you will get these absolutely goddess like creatures in the woods that would you know lure young men in and whisk them away to fairyland Um, (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so um, but once you go there you know you can think that you're there for a day and you're actually there for seven years and and there's a whole raft of trouble that comes with, you know, following the beautiful fairy maiden through the woods. It's uh, it's not all fun and games, but yeah, there, I mean, there are several reasons that I know of that that may may occur. Yeah. So when my husband's out working on uh, using his tools and his tractor out on the uh, property and doing some mowing, I better make sure that he's coming back to me pretty quickly, or he could be just going off into the woods with the beautiful fair maiden. Oh yeah. <laughs> the thing is, it was the perfect excuse. So I, I often yeah. giggle about <laughs> giggle about the whole tale where the bloke goes to a pub and he doesn't come back for for several weeks. And then he, he turns up at home and says, well, I just went to the pub, you know, and, and he doesn't have any recollection of going off into fairyland. And then he'll come up with this, oh, it must have been the fairies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's this whole saying called uh, pixie lad, oh, which really? means just yeah. that you're, you're led out of time, really. Yeah. Um, I've had it occur on a few occasions where I've been in usually a wooded area that I know particularly well. And all of a sudden I'll realise that I don't know where I am. And it's somewhere that I'll have been pretty much every other day. And I look around and I don't recognise anything. And you come out of the other side and it's like, where did that last three hours go? You know, it's it's only an hour from one side of the wood to the other. Well, and see, you- we think you'd been abducted by a UFO here. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where we go in our minds. So we, we don't always do the fairy thing. But, but no, that is interesting because... You got to know sometimes that's got to be happening somewhere. Somebody's just like, what? I'm turned around. I thought I marked this tree. I can't find my way back. What's going on? 
a day is gone. So- I mean, there, there are massive, massive similarities between documented UFO abductions and the Faye, and there are theories that the two in the same thing. I mean, it's there's some real complex theories out really? there, uh, but one of them is that the way we perceive the Faye changed in the 1950s with advances in technology. And that what before would have been a beautiful carriage and a horse and cart that would whisk us away have now become these saucers, these flying saucers. So with our perception of these kind of abductions also comes maybe their change in how they show themselves to us and their modes of transport. So is the Faye UFO and an alien, you know, it, there is loads of connectivity between the two it's it's such a, a deep and interesting subject it is and you know i believe that there are elements out there i mean i can feel the energy in the land i can touch the tree that i know has been there at least 250 years in the in our front pasture and i can feel the vibration i can feel the, the wisdom from that tree and i love that tree and i've i mean i've taken pictures of that tree i posted on instagram of that tree and i Love it. Every time I go, I try to go down to that tree and and just drink it in. Yeah, it's amazing. I I have a certain tree that over the last year has has been kind of my my energy tree and and just going down and and sitting and and appreciating it. And there's no real rhyme or reason why that tree suddenly sort of stood out and said, hey, I'm I'm your tree. It's just, you know, it just has become my tree. And this one that I'm talking about, it's so big and it's a big oak. I know yours, I'm sure they were way older and bigger, but this one is just so gorgeous and the trunk is so thick and big and it's just so majestic. That's the best way I can describe it. And it just gives me so much happiness and peace. I just love it. So, but anyway, so Kate, tell me about the book. Have you written the book yet? I haven't. No, I, I've put the bare bones together. I have uh, the first chapter finished. So I kind of know where I'm going. I've planned things out. I've actually got three books oh, on nice. the go at the minute. That's great. I just released my eighth paranormal romance book. So I know what it's like to be a writer and waiting to produce a book. So I get it. I don't know how you do three stories at one time. There's no way I could do that. I can't even remember what I had for dinner last night. So um, (laughs) trying to remember all different books, but maybe they're all in the same realm and it's easy. I don't know. Well, I mean, one of them is very much based on uh, my journey over over the last sort of, you know, six years, uh, which is paranormal based, but it's kind of, it's not a true biography. It's it's intertwined. So that's pretty straightforward. The the other one, I'm looking particularly at the the darker side of the fair and how to deal with that because it's something that I'm asked all the time. So that's going to be more sort of factual, if you can call it factual, within the fairy realm. And then the the other one that I'm putting together is it's more a document of uh, fey places within Britain specifically. We've got loads and loads of, you know, mystical atlases of of, uh, different places in Britain, but no one book that collates all sort of all fey interactions and places that you can go and visit. So it could be years, you know, (laughs) it could be years, but I'm I'm hoping to get the first one, the sort of the paranormal experience one, cracked out as soon as possible and, and seeing where that goes, because, I mean, that's been... Literally, I can sit down and, uh, you know, and, and just keep writing and writing and writing. And I'm writing as I talk because right. I want it to be be that kind of, I want it to be me talking. Absolutely, yeah. Yes, yeah, totally so it's been interesting because I forget things I've done and the people I've met and, and the exciting time that I've had because of, you know, because of this kind of thing. So, yeah, it's good. 
Well, you know, when I went to the UK way back in 97 with my husband, right after we got married. And so it's been a little while since I've been there, but I cannot describe if any of my listeners have never been to London or the UK at all. It's amazing. The vibration and the feeling there is so fantastic. I mean, I loved it. I know I lived there in another life, uh, several lives, I think, but I loved it. And it's so different than here. It's magical there. There's something magical. I guess it's just because of your history and I'm all about the history. I mean, we went to Canterbury Cathedral and at the time it was their 1400th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I I can't even fathom that. So of course you have all of this folklore and all of these things that you're talking about, you know, the uh, elementals and the fae and whatever else that you're studying, this stuff has been around for you guys way longer than us. So hopefully you can write the one book (laughs) and then you've got the three other books. Now I know you have a YouTube channel. Do you also post it on Apple as a podcast as well, or is it just a YouTube channel? Um, It's just a YouTube channel. I was explaining to you before this, I am a a technical nightmare and I I am absolutely shocked (laughs) <laughs> I'm shocked that I actually got on YouTube. It's, it, to me, it was, it was a mild miracle for me to get on there. So, yeah, it's just on YouTube. Um, it started off with the questions that people were asking me because I don't class myself as an expert. I class myself as somebody who's interested and who has the, the kind of capacity to be able to uh, obtain knowledge and feed that back to people. Right. And I was being asked questions that I really on my own couldn't answer. But I have some fantastic connections and I sat down with people and said, look, these are the questions I've been asked. You know, what's fairy from your perspective? And I've had some absolutely stunning guests on there. Everybody I've asked has just been, yeah, I'll do it. And I've just been like, really? (laughs) You know, this is a tiny YouTube channel. It's not massive. And, And most of them have never been asked to talk about fairies before, Um, although I know that they have that connection with them. It's not ever been something that they've talked about in depth. So, yeah, some of the questions that I've not been able to answer have been beautifully answered by other people. So it's a a well-rounded group of people I've had. A psychic medium who comes from a Kabbalistic background. I've had several paranormal investigators from a UK show over here. Uh, I've had a fine artist, Mark Leckie, who won the the Turner Prize over in the UK. He cites, you know, that his encounter with an elf was something that, you know, spontaneously kind of uh, bore his his artistic talents into the world. So there is just such a raft and range of people on there from, you know, very much fairy lovers to those who are on the periphery of what they do, but it's very important in their lives for whatever reason. Yeah. And you sound like my podcast. I mean, I do a lot of different things. I do a lot of paranormal things, but I also do like a Gettysburg reenactor or I do a woman who escaped a religious cult. Yesterday's episode was Munchausen by proxy. I spoke to an expert on that. So I, I try to do, so you can cherry pick them. And it's, if you don't want to hear about the paranormal, you don't have to. You can listen to other things. So if you do that well-rounded kind of thing, like you're doing, you know, not everybody wants to hear about a paranormal investigator, but I might want to hear about fairies. You know, so even even though they, to me they're interchangeable, maybe to others they're not. So you have been a wealth of knowledge. I've learned so much and I still may have some questions because I didn't even know there was a dark side to fairies. There's a dark side? 
Yes, definitely. Really? Definitely. Uh, I mean, do you want me to do it? Yeah, to yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think, I don't know whether we were recording when we were chatting about, uh, you briefly said, and it's very much from my point of view as well, that, you know, that you feel like demonics are, are not there as much as people make out them to be there. Right. Um, I think it's a very rare thing to have an encounter with a demon or what we perceive in a religious term as, as a demon. Right. I think what we actually encounter are maybe one or two things that go off and and that would be the the spirit or the soul of somebody who's deceased who um, is showing those attributes, you know, those, those kind of terrible attributes. And the other side of it is very much the darker side of Faye can give out the same kind of attributes as a sort of a demonic haunting would. And the fact that they can get physical, that, you know, you will hear grunts and growls, you will have shaking of beds, moving of objects, flashing really? of lights slamming of doors yeah it's all the things that you would associate with uh, a a demonic attachment it's usually uh, either because they're attracted to the property because of the negative energy of the property or more likely in my experience when I've come across it is because of something a person has done or a family line has brought down with it so I've seen historical fairies sort of torment families through generations that is exactly of, what so, my friend told me. She said a lot of it's ancestral where, you know, a family member did something to the property or, or you know, whatever it was. And it's passed down to generation, to another generation, to another generation. And they still, they just don't understand it. Yeah, definitely. And it would, it would be seen in modern terms as a, I suppose, a curse. But the, the troubling thing that happens when it's ancestral is that the entity and the energy that sort of bringing that about on the family forgets why it's doing it it becomes just obsessed with its attachment to that family oh, and yeah. and actually reasoning with it and sort of talking it and finding out why it's there is you, you almost can't do it which poses a problem because in a catholic church we have uh, very set ways of eradicating demonic attachments and in the paranormal world we have very set ways of being able to get rid of malevolent spirits who are human actually fey is a lot more complex it's a lot more complicated to sort of rid yourself of of those kind of energies because there's very little if no research in how to do it wow yeah so they don't respond to prayer so much um it can get irritating for them but it's not where you get a demonic repulsion against prayer fairies pretty much are on the line of yeah whatever um (laughs) and and things like sage and, and crystals that you would use for, for you know, uh, in the paranormal world in general, yeah, they don't bother them either. You know, if it's a new attachment to somebody, it's easier for, for you to negotiate with them and, and sort of get them out of your property. But if it's that long ancestral line, it's it's a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work. Yeah, um, if, they forget. if you can break yeah. it. All they want is just to wreak havoc because that's all they've ever done. Yeah, it's a job and it's a job that they don't know why they're doing anymore. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that would be hard to reach because they they probably don't even associate themselves with the people either. It's just, it's havoc, havoc, havoc. That's all. Chaos, chaos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't even yeah. care what you have to say. I don't care what you look like. I don't care anything. Wow. Okay. That wouldn't be fun. That would be bad. <laughs> No, not at all, not at all. I mean, you know, when somebody comes in and and they say, no, it's not a demon, and everybody's like, thank God for that. And then somebody says, you know, it's not human either. And they go, well, what is it? And you say, oh, it's a fairy. And they go, fairy? And then you go, no, actually, it's really bad. And you try and, you know, you explain that to them. And it's, uh, 
it's it's a real paradox between saying a fairy and then having something like that in front of you you know it's it's that paradoxical it doesn't compute in people's brains it, right. you know and let's be honest most people think of tinkerbell when they think of fairy i mean i don't know how they look do they look like that they, i mean they can they, they can do i suppose and i say that with a bit of a sigh because the reason why they have wings in modern culture is because of the lighter side of the fae will come through into into our existence with light emitting from them, which often was misinterpreted to wings because they would be suspended in the air. They would be that light of energy that they would look like they were flying. So when you have the context of something that looks like it's flying and is emitting an energy out of their centre that looks like wings, we, we kind of then equated it to butterfly wings um or um so i can see where that comes from definitely right, right yeah no absolutely but this is wow this is so fascinating i may have to have you back on because this is like so fascinating to me and um it's been almost an hour and i know you've got things to do and all the things but so tell everyone where they can find you and i know you have a name you go by on all of your um, social media so tell us all about those uh so you can find me on facebook um, i'm on instagram i'm also on twitter but i i don't understand twitter at all it, it kind of it, it's like some kind of jumble sale that i get kind of confused about um and my youtube channel is under the same name so it's kate and then hair girl and ray and it's hair as in sort of a bunny rabbit hair um and that's my fairy name believe it or not it's um, your fairy name that is so cool i love it and that was given to me many many years ago i was so over the moon i i was invited uh to Brian and Wendy Froud's house many, many years ago, which are the creators of The Labyrinth. They were the, the Labyrinth movie. They wow. were the, the sort of artistic creators of that. And uh, they are very much fairy people. So if, you, if you're into fairies, everybody knows Brian Froud's artwork. It's, um, it's really big. And I, I would definitely recommend looking him up because to me, he conveys fairy as I see fairies, very right. much so. Right. So I went to their house. I was, on a, I was doing a workshop and I was model building a hair fairy. And bless, Wendy couldn't remember my name, so kept referring to me as hair girl. <laughs> and because I was building this hair, and so throughout the kind of fairy world, hair girl stuck. And it, for me, it's, it's such a, a reminder of such um, a beautiful moment because Brian and Wendy, I've got massive hero worship for them. You know, they are just... They're up there with the gods for me. So that it's that sweet connection. So it, nice. it became my fairy name. So it's Kate Hair Girl Ray. Yeah. And you're on all of the social media and you've got your own YouTube channel. Everybody go subscribe. She's got some fantastic interviews. I've listened to a couple of them and some very interesting guests. And like I said, go follow her on Instagram. I tell everybody to get on TikTok, but I don't know if everybody wants to get on it, but I love it for the videos. So I don't know if you're on TikTok, but get on TikTok. It's fun. <laughs> so, but you're like, no, I don't even know how YouTube works. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. <laughs> But you have been fantastic and a delight. And I appreciate you joining me all the way across the pond. Kate, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure, Leslie. Honestly, it really has. It's been such good fun. If you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review. It'll help my podcast out and more people will be able to listen. Also, I am a novelist. 
and write paranormal romance. All my books are available on Amazon.com, so check me out. And you can also reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you guys all for your support, and I'll talk to you next week.